Welcome to Latitude IT and the Cyber People podcast. The Cyber People podcast is, of course, the podcast where we showcase and celebrate the extraordinary people that make up the Australian cybersecurity market. Um, we want to celebrate these people, not just for the sake of the peers in the industry, but also because we all know that there is a dearth of cybersecurity talent in the Australian market. And this podcast is designed to pique the interest of those who've probably heard about cybersecurity in the media, because it is a sort of uh, subject which comes up almost on a daily basis. And we want to pique their interest and perhaps they've heard about cybersecurity, they want to know more about it, and maybe they're even considering a career in it. So that's what this podcast is designed to do. And tonight we are delighted to have with us here in the Latitude IT studios, Ben Jones. Ben Jones, welcome. Good evening. Good evening. How are you? Lovely to be here. It's very nice to see you here. You're yeah. looking very dapper this evening. I like your outfit. It's good. It's highly flammable. So yeah. uh, just no smoking in the interview. Okay. It would be good. No worries. No worries. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Ben, who are you? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, well, first off with the entrance, thanks ever so much. You're welcome. Um, and let me be very frank to start off with, wasn't in cybersecurity in any way three years ago um, at all. Knew nothing about it, heard a lot about it, um, and had a, a friend of mine um, who was kind enough to sort of bring me into it, um, which he did me a big favor. And in those, I guess, thousand days, if you'd like, I've gone from being a rep, learning about um, a cloud. <laughs> who would have thought that's actually something to do with computers as well, not just something you see, uh, into yeah, being a CEO of a business that I'm very proud of. Um, no pressure. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a growing field. I feel it's recession proof. Uh, I feel with what's happened with COVID, it's certainly, um, it's just a business enabler now. Like it's something that fundamentally people have got to be across. Uh, essentially, you know, you, you, the way that you've sort of framed up the session is, is that yeah, people that want to get into it, um, don't let experience being an inhibitor for you to do it um, just go and find the opportunity to get in and get the experience because once you're in um, I've been afforded uh, a great deal of kindness by someone to give me the initial pass of the baton but once in the community um, there's lots of people that will help you out to sort of grow um, and thrive it's a wonderful community of people um, and I don't think that there's anyone that's like truly a cyber person that I've ever met apart from uh, one guy that I've met, uh, Peter, who's one of my mentors, who was sort of the forefather of the internet in Australia. He's a, uh, a very, very, very intelligent man, but I don't even think that anyone really knows what cyber means. I think it's just a term that's sort of thrown around. I think uh, 10 years ago, this entire space was very, very different. Um, but here we are in 2021 and it's a thriving industry. Um, we all use technology every day. I think we pick our phones up every two minutes, look at them. We interact with technology every day. It's not going away. Um, and I'm very proud to be in it. I'm very proud to be running a business within it. Um, and I'm really proud to be part of a community of people, especially in Sydney, that are um, articulate, intelligent, 
accountable and want to deliver great outcomes for people. And um, yeah, really grateful to be here tonight. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. I'm very pleased to have you here. Thanks for accepting our invitation. And I hope you come back. I'm very curious to see the evolution of your company. And yep. I hope that uh, next time we get your partner, Saeem Khan, in here as well. Yeah, no, um, I'm very, very lucky to, to be working <coughs> with, with him. Thank you for name checking him. I would have got there in the end. Um, yeah, he's a magnificent guy. And yeah, along with a couple of the people who are our investors, uh, yeah, I couldn't be working with a better man, a good friend. And uh, yeah, the most impressive guy I've ever met in business, commercially, full stop in all of my career. Yeah, really, really, uh, really proud and very lucky to have him as my partner. A good guy. And uh, yeah, I'd love to have him on as well. Okay, fantastic. I mean, one of the things that's remarkable about, about you, Ben, I mean, there's so many, but you really embody the incredible diversity that I've seen in the cybersecurity market in the sense that you come from a very different background. I mean, if I had said to you 10 years ago, maybe five years ago, hey, Ben, guess what? You're going to be the CEO of a cybersecurity company. What would you have said? Uh, are, you, are you winding me up? Yeah. That's probably, probably where I'd start. No, um, I love to, I mean, I think I'll, I'll punctuate the entire conversation with people that have been kind yeah. this evening. Um, but I think a real thought leader in this space is um, a very, very impressive young lady called Charmaine Tan. She did a great TED talk, which I'd encourage the listeners to look at. Uh, to, to look at. It's on the t TEDx, Charmaine Tan, her name is. And she did a really great, wonderful piece around the imposter syndrome. Um, and that's the principle of the imposter syndrome is, is that, you know, I, I'll go back to what I said before, there's no one that's really a true cyber person. When you meet people in this industry, if they're sales, delivery, uh, management, HR, these people have got a very, very diverse background. But um, hate, my experience has been that cyber security is the best team sport of anything I've ever been apart from playing a game of rugby. Like I've worked with some wonderful people with some very, very different backgrounds. But if you meet a CISO, you know, and in, in, in I work with a lot of those guys, if you work with people who are security engineers, they've come from a, a, a hugely different background. And I think cyber is a really good leveler of that. Um, I'd really encourage people listening today to, to sort of tune into what Charmaine had to say. Um, what she said was spot on. And I think a lot of people would echo that sentiment. How would you summarize it? Like, what were the what were the kind of key takeaways oh, for you? Oh, for, for me, like people get into the industry and think they're less than, you know, and they think that oh, cybersecurity is this big evolving thing, and my background as a marketer or as a um, as a salesperson doing real estate or um, you know whatever, like that people think that that is an inhibitor to, for them to be successful in the business. Charmaine articulated really, really well um, that that is not. An issue whatsoever um, it's about getting in just need the in so by hook or by crook just get in um, and there's some wonderful organizations that I've partnered with that recognize that the world's very different now I think my dad had one career or two careers all his life um, but people have many now um, don't let the fear of getting into this industry stop you from doing it you everyone is going to bring an inherent skill I've gone back to what I said, that idea of uh, it being a team sport is fundamental. I'm a sales guy, right? Up and down. That's, that's what I'm great at. 
Um, but I would go into a business and start talking with a network engineer and it would terrify me. You know what I mean? Like if I had to have the whole sales cycle in my pocket, but I, you don't have that in cybersecurity. You're blessed to have people that will come in who've got that level of expertise and you work um, collaboratively to get the outcome or the business outcome. Um, and I've experienced that and that's why I'm with Syme. Uh, he's the most impressive guy I've ever met in that space. I mean, we, we, we laugh and we joke, but um, I line him up and he knocks him down. And I don't mean that um, in, in, in the worst way. I, I mean that because he genuinely delivers value for customers. But I'm really good at getting in the door and I don't feel less than now than because that's my inherent skill all running the businesses. Um, but it's a team sport and I think it was really good that she brought that up, articulated it and just taken the shame about it. My advice to people who would be listening to this today is just go for it, you know, don't have the fear. Like if you've, if you've, been, a, if you've been a great chef for 10 years, you're bringing something to the market, you would have negotiated with suppliers, you would have been working on tight deadlines, you would have been dealing with diff difficult customers. Multitasking, Listen, you're doing nothing stressful. Diff nothing different, nothing different. You know, just go, just go for it and get into the field because it's a wonderful field full of great people and um, I've really enjoyed my transition. Well, how did you actually find your way into it? Can you tell us a little bit about your background and, and the steps that brought you here? Yeah, no, sure. Like, it's a couple of different hops. Um, I, um, I was at university, I was playing rugby um, and um, I, had a, I had an experience with, um, with someone, um, a personal experience, and I ended up going to the Special Olympics with um, a young man. Uh, his name is Christopher. Uh, when I was studying psychology and... Um, I was asked to go and escort this young man who had muscular dystrophy down to the Special Olympics in, in Portsmouth. Um, he did something called wheelchair gymnastics and at the time, I'm um, 44 now, the, the Christopher had to follow a routine whereby he would follow a predefined... I'm just uh, going to turn the camera on and off. Keep going, you're doing good. No, it's okay. No, it's alright. So Christopher was um, given like an instructional video that he had to follow to do uh, wheelchair gymnastics and he, he held essentially, if you can imagine, a, um, a lollipop stick that was about uh, 20 inches long with a ribbon on the end of it and he had to do his, his, uh, his muscular dystrophy or his degenerative disease meant that he had um, a certain level of ability in this particular subset. Yeah. Anyway, look, to get to the point, we went down to the Special Olympics and I had to, I went down as his, not his coach, rather his carer and he needed to be toileted and to wipe his butt and bathe him, feed him, because um, he had quite a profound disability and he, he had a little bit of movement in his right hand. His routine, and I still remember it, it was sort of five circular rotations to the right, up and down. With the ribbon it looks a lot better than it actually was. Um, and he did a great job and, and he won the gold medal. And um, I had to wheel him out uh, to across this mat uh, to get in this gold medal in the Special Olympics and um, yeah it sort of really impacted me and really changed my life. Uh, he subsequently when I went back and finished my degree I was going to go and work in an insurance company or just do something like that after I'd finished playing rugby and um, but yeah he was diagnosed with cancer uh, he had something called a neuroblastoma which is a tumour in your eye um, and he was uh, treated at a hospital called Christie's Hospital in Manchester, which is like um, a centre of excellence for research and for teenage oncology. Um, I had this very special um, relationship with Chris and um, he was very important to me. 
um, and went and visited him a lot, but he, you know, he died. Uh, and that had a very profound impact upon me. Now, at the time I was, you know, 21, a big lad, um, and I was going into this unit that was sponsored, it was a National Health Service unit for, for teenage oncology, but it was underwritten by a magnificent organisation called the Teenage Cancer Trust, um, and they basically offered facilities specifically for teenage-based care, not paediatric or adult care. Um, and uh, I met the nurse unit manager in there because I was going in so much to see Chris. Um, and yeah, just ended up getting to know all the people on the unit because I was going in and met all some of the other kids. And um, it's um, like with respect at the time, it was a very female heavy environment with nurses. And I was a young guy going in to meet young men. And um, yeah, like it, it changed my life. And, and at the end, after the, after the sort of uh, Chris had died, I, um, I was offered a job in called treatment planning, which was helping young people prepare themselves for chemotherapy, uh, for radiology, radiotherapy, um, and yeah, I just felt a calling to do it. And so I worked there as I was doing you know, some further study and then ended up working in Christie's on this unit in teenage oncology and palliative care. And yeah, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful job. Very, very challenging, very dramatic, but a wonderful privilege to be around young people at that stage of their life. Um, tough job, of course, you know, dealing with that, that type of stuff. But uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, it was a, a wonderful thing. I'm very lucky with my parents. They'd both been in caring jobs all their life. And so uh, I was always conditioned to uh, see how they helped people. And that made me feel good. Um, and so, yeah, that happened. And then I moved to Australia uh, after doing that to work for a wonderful organization called Canteen. Um, it's a lovely lady who still works in, um, in youth work and is a, a wonderful practitioner. Her name's Claudia Lennon. Yeah. Um, she employed me to come and work at the Children's Hospital at Ranwick uh, to work for Canteen, and that was dealing with, again, young people who were living with cancer, uh, to be an advocate for teenage oncology, and had the opportunity to work in regional hospitals, take away young people um, who are living with cancer and bring them together. and. Yeah, just wonderful, wonderful experience. And, and But uh, yeah, I got to my early 30s and uh, life changes during that time and, and moved on and leveraged that hospital experience to go and work for a, a really big drug company, which was vacuous by comparison, but was very different. And I read a book that changed my life and got married and all of that stuff. And yeah, very lucky to go and work for a business called AstraZeneca, who are doing all the, you know, the vaccines now. And a cracking business, um, sort of supported me to become like a sales guy. Um, yeah, I went through that business, went really through it really quickly, met some great people, ended up then moving to a medical device business, had my own business after that. Um, and then, yeah, one of my best friends who runs a really good cybersecurity company offered me opportunity to come in and help him with sales in that business after a 10 year successful sales career and got into it straight away and two guys, uh, very helpful, instrumental, a guy called Chris Russell, who is now the country manager of a business called Telium, who's an American guy, very American, North American sales guy, but full of passion and yeah. belief and a great role model for me to yeah. get in, but gave me the opportunity and another friend of mine who got me into his business and yeah, he gave me a start. Once I got into it, um, I had that imposter syndrome that Charmaine spoke about but then realized that people were people and um, started selling internet and computers. Yeah. And it, we went from there and it was and it was good. But yeah, diverse background for sure. But um, I, I think in retrospect, the public service bit 
has been so helpful because people are people. Um, you know, and I went and sold shiny toys to yeah. big businesses and this, that, and the other. But um, yeah, I'm really proud of my career and I'm proud to be in cyber, but I would never give away what I did in uh, for, the, for, for a very, very long time with young people. Sure. I'm really, I'm really proud of it. Yeah. So what would you say were the sort of transferable skills for you? Like, yeah. did, you, did you take to it like a duck, a duck in water or, or was it a, a gradual transition? What were, the, what were the challenges? What were the transferable skills for you? Well, like, going from working in the hospital to working for Astra, you know, when I worked, you know, and I used to sell, I used to sell. Um, Are you able to come forward? Yeah, slightly? of course. No, yeah, when, when I, when I, no, it's okay. When I, when I was working we for We want Astra, to see your beautiful face. No, that's all right. When I was working for AstraZeneca, yeah. Um, you know, I was basically selling stomach medication and cardiac tablets to GPs on the northern beaches. Yeah. And I'd gone from running clinics and being in very dramatic situations. So it was very, very different. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I think working for a team was, was, was very interesting. Um, the sales process, good hygiene, cadence in running a meeting, learning and repeating handed down statistics um, and clinical information. Uh, I think I still do the same today in many ways, but I think, oh, I would hope that my core skill is always going to be that I would like to think I'm humanistic. Yeah. Um, I think it's very difficult to be like a salesperson today, and I, I, I feel... Like an old school salesperson. Yeah, you know, yeah, but I mean, even today, like you think about, it must have been a really tough year for people that were selling this year, like on Zoom. Yeah. Um, I need like physical interaction. Um, salespeople now, because sales is a science. Yeah, um, I agree. A process, and I, and I think a really great sales guy knows that. But um, I, I'll always be a little bit old school and want to meet someone and get to know them. I transact much better after a year than I do initially. And look, I'm started my own business. I was cold calling today. Businesses in Orange and Dubbo, they've got 15 people in them. You know, back on the phones. Yeah. grinding like going on LinkedIn checking out the profile what's their value statement their business proposition are we aligned you know I, I say I'm a CEO of a tech company but I'm licking the stamps and I'm on the phones again as well and that's that's the reality of starting your own business unashamedly and I'm proud that I'm back to back to those tactics well everyone loves startups you know I, I as a recruiter I found that more and more people want to work for a startup yeah there's something very real about it it's diverse yep you wear many hats yep all of them it's yeah i think it's just it's it's authentic isn't it it's authentic and, and well it's, you, it's and you're a you're a small team you're tight-knit yeah it is but it's, it's it's hard work as well you know it's not it's not a tv show you know you're yeah. we're, we're in there at five and and working hard and and it's funny you know um the ego bit when you, you start one of these businesses you think you're going to cash out and make like it's going to be a unicorn so you can go and like sit on a beach somewhere and drink pina coladas. It's not about that. Actually, the enjoyment, the enjoyment of this, and this is an adjustment for me as well, by the way, because you want the outcome a lot of the time. Getting into sales was about making five grand initially for me, because you know I'll be frank with you, what I earned when I came to work for public service was nothing, nothing. And then I've had big deals, done great deals, enterprise deals, made a lot of money. That's it's irrelevant. Actually, the part is building something and delivering value for the customer, right? And having that reciprocal relationship and getting repeat business, but solving a problem, because that's how I esteem myself ultimately, right? Absolutely. I, I, I want I want a good outcome, and um, I've been on the phone with someone thinking I just want to sell this. 
don't care. This and the, but I, I, it's my business, my You're name right. on the door. I do care. Yeah. I want to give value to my customer. It's very important to me. Big time. Um, but you know, it's uh, it's it's but it's hard work. There's no there's no shortcut. I remember uh, my first sales manager said to me, "If anyone says they want to work smarter than harder, they can. They're out the door." And, yeah. and they're right. And there's lots of great tools that we can use these days to enable great outcomes in a quicker way. But you know what? Get on the phone, mate. Yeah. Ring up someone. Be yourself, and you know what? Get comfortable with no. Yeah, fall and in love with it, mate. Fall in love with it, embrace it, and it's hard, especially if you esteem yourself by being affirmed. And we all have a little bit of that with us, but just get on with it. Just Absolutely. get, I'm just, just, just get on with it, and that's all you got to do. I think if you can do that, um, and the good will out. Life's not a Lorna Jane T-shirt, you know. Like it's not, not, it's not a Disney movie. That's for sure. Doesn't all turn out all right, that's but true. you've got a level of control over it, and I think if you work as hard as you can giving yourself the best the best possible chance absolutely absolutely mm. i mean you know it's a it, it as i was just thinking a moment ago about the similarities between um the medical industry and cybersecurity. i mean in both in both instances you're protecting the health of something right in cybersecurity, you're protecting the health of the business mm. um you're uh you're defending it against attack and in yeah. medicine is the same you're defending the body against attack essentially right yeah I love I love the metaphor and, and uh, triage and remediation and things like that. There's a mm. lot of um, similarity in, in a way. No, there is. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I think um, like, like I could go to town on this metaphor. You know what I'm like, and yeah. I've not thought of it like that. But you are right. It's a it's a good point. Um, but regardless well, of the industry, you're remediating health problems. No, except you, in this instance, it's business health problems. No, you, which you, is ultimately people health problems, right? Because we we need businesses to sustain ourselves, to keep ourselves going. Yep. Businesses make us money and they keep us um, under a roof, paying the bills. Yeah, There's a lot of parallels, I think. And no, I, there, there is, and, 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 and I apologize for cutting in. Um, not at all. Uh, the, 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 the parallel is actually very true, and I've not thought of it, I'll be honest with you, it's a, it's a good point, very uh, uh, insightful. That being said, um, Don't rega- mind rega- no, but, no, Sorry, it's please, okay. Please keep going. Keep on talking. Yeah, keep on talking. I mean, I think regardless though of the industry, I think if you sell beers, batteries, or glasses, or cyber or cybersecurity products, I think there's there's one truism, and that's just get to work and and just do a good job for your customer, and and work hard. I mean, you you are right, and it would be easy for me to romanticise the, you know, the way that. Um, a certain drug and a, and a uh, you know an enzyme or, or can protect the body right it would be easy for me to say that and a certain product can do that but that's not my concern my concern is about getting good customer outcomes and, and doing a good job and running a good business you know absolutely mm. absolutely um, yeah I was just thinking you know carrying on the, par- the, the parallels and I don't want to go down this rabbit hole too much because we have so much ground to cover let's go let's go um, Come on. I know that um, you know um, most cybersecurity incidents are not about some hacker breaking into computer systems. It's very often social engineering. Yep. So that the, the, the user themselves is the first and last line of defense. Yeah. And in the same way that good health is a result of um, prevention rather than cure, yeah. that cyber health is the same thing. It's about the user having good habits online to protect the business. So, you know, in the same way that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to minimize the chances of getting sick by leading a healthy lifestyle. 
you're yeah, gonna no. you're gonna you're gonna minimize the the chances of a of a cyber incident by having healthy practices in your business, healthy policies, healthy procedures, no, and so forth. And perhaps this is a, a a good segue for you to tell us a little bit about Jumpstart and what you're all about, what no, you do. No, no, definitely. I, I, I'll get to Jumpstart in a minute, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what you've said because. Mm. The economics of health are staggering, and, and if you are to do preventative health care, that is, you know, you eat vegetables every day, stop smoking cigarettes, drink the normal thing, like the health outcomes on, a, on an accumulative basis. If you took the cohort of all men and all women of all time, if men would be able to take a, a bowel cancer screening when they were 50, if all men were to have an, an endoscopy when they were 50 years old, and they did, and that was a national standard, we'd reduce mortality in bowel cancer profoundly, okay? If we were to outlaw um, young people drinking soft drinks, we would reduce teenage diabetes profoundly, right? So we know that there's the accumulation of certain habits of doing the wrong thing will yield a bad result, but you're right. Um, if we had uh, great cyber health in businesses and good mechanisms, policies and procedures um, and an adoption that this is, this is an important thing, we would have better outcomes. I mean, what does it say, 9th, 9th of March? The 9th, I believe. Ninth, yeah, the 9th. I mean, 10th, um, Wednesday. There we go. Time flies when you're having fun. Been a long day. Um, we were all reading about solar winds a couple of weeks ago. Um, reading today about the windows, the you know the the, 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 the hack. The threat is never going to go away with cybersecurity. It's recession-proof, because in my experience, and I learned this from a guy, um, a guy called Nick, who leads up the threat threat hunting team over a um, very good operator. Nick leads the threat hunting uh, hunting team over in CrowdStrike. And there's so many attacks um, on businesses these days, um, it's impossible to keep up. So there's no panacea to solving it, right? It's the same with, unless we have a fundamental change in the way that we live our lives or do business to sort of do the, 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 you know, the, 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 the parallel, the outcome's always gonna be the same. I would love it if they outlawed cigarettes, alcohol, you know, turkey twisters like Jamie Oliver did in the UK, you know, convenience food, but it's just not going to happen. Likewise, there's always going to be problems in cybersecurity. So all we can do is just move incrementally towards better outcomes and better behaviours. Now, thank you for the leg up. Jumpstart, we've created this, is, is we've spent a long time, Simon and I, working in the enterprise, but we implicitly only work with businesses that have got 150 people and less, that's it. We don't go further than that. Um, and there's a real reason towards that, and that's because we feel that small business, well, not, we know small businesses um, take up 80% of, of, of all businesses in Australia, right? Not just sole operators all the way up really? to those, but yeah. 80% of businesses in Australia yeah, are small 150 people or less. Well, yeah, small business, yeah, small businesses, you know? And there's a lot of people out there that are, and they, they're the ones that are grinding out the economy. They're the guys that are the, I hate the word battler because they're not. It's their people that are taking their future into their hands and growing a business. Yeah. And have got the, pardon my French, got the balls to go and do it. Yeah. Now, we, we always talk, and it's an interesting point that you've done about the health bit because I'll bring you back to Simon and I's main point. We feel fundamentally there's an inequity in between 
um, small business and big business. In medicine, um, and Syme's wife, who's a, again a very impressive woman, she's a doctor, a paediatrician, she'd said to Syme one day, and she talked about this concept of um, health inequity. Health inequity means that if I'm um, born in a certain part of the world and I have a cardiac event, for example, I have a heart attack. A STEMI, they call it, like a huge, huge heart attack. A tombstone, actually, on the T-wave inversion, when you're you, you, a killer, right? If I have that event in this office right now, then you'll ring, what was it, zero, triple zero? I want to say 999. Yeah, yeah. I know that foreigners like us don't know what we're doing. If I ring that number, there'll be an ambulance here because I'm in the city of Sydney. I'll get taken across the Harbour Bridge and I'll get taken to uh, rural North Shore. Now, I'll name check this guy as well because there's two guys, a guy called Rasmussen and Greg Nelson, who run the interventional cardiology system over in the rural North Shore. Um, they're pioneers in reducing. Um, uh, mortality in cardiac events. Okay. Two of the most impressive guys you'll ever meet. They never really liked me, but they're very, very good at what yeah. they did. Can I just yeah. sell them some tablets? But uh, if I have this heart attack right now in this office, you'll yeah. ring the office, I'll get picked up by the ambulance, I'll go over to A&E. In the ambulance, they will take an iPhone picture of my ECG, which will show them I'm having an event, and it will be like, this is, when I get to A&E at Royal North Shore, I will go on a blue line, might be green, I can't remember. Should be red, I should imagine. I'll get taken to the cath lab, which is where they'll put a stent in. My time to value in that event will be very quick and I'll probably have a much better chance of survival. Right. But if I'm in the middle of, you know, Mongolia and I have the same event and I'm the same person, my chances of survival are, are diminished significantly. That's inequity, right? The same event in two different places for a different outcome. Now, when Simon spoke to Simon about this and Simon brought it up to me, it was a real breakthrough for us because we realized that small businesses aren't afforded the same opportunities that the enterprise are because, you know, it's expensive and the toys that the big enterprise get are huge, but they get, like, they get, they, they get like consultants in, they've got big teams, they're only getting whacked by the same people. And now small business in Australia is primed for an attack. Um, they used to be... So uh, the more prepared big enterprise gets, the more hackers will target smaller businesses because well, they're easy, easy pickings? I mean, like, I mean, who am I to say? But it was been my experience that why would you go against like a bigger organization? And by Makes the way, sense. they're still getting whacked. But why not go towards the smaller organizations that are still holding all this PI, still holding all this data, still doing good dough, still doing good money? But have they invested in like a great endpoint solution? Have they got? Um, are they are they doing like a regular penetration test? Are they have they got the controls in place to to mitigate something like that? No, yeah. they've not. So there's an inequity between what um, a big four bank is doing or a huge insurance company versus an up and coming payment platform that's got someone in place who knows what they're talking about, but they just yeah. don't inherently have the tools. Yeah. So. And, and me and Simon worked at the big end of town and pounded the pavements in this, you know, the, these these big buildings that we're flanked by here. Um, but I want to work with a small business owner because I know the small business owner is empowered to make a decision quite quickly. Yeah. I don't like, um, or I struggled with procurement in the big businesses because there's usually, I think the average of 6.9% of people that are in the decision tree to make a decision, a commercial decision in the enterprise about a commercial solution. So stakeholder management is challenging this stuff as a, as a sales guy. Right. But me and Simon just said, this is ridiculous. Like there's all these businesses and 
I'm not changing the world with Jumpstart. I'm really not. Like Simon and I have only pulled together the inherent tools and the things that people need just to be safe enough. Again, like I'm not coming with this magic bullet. I'm just aggregating like good hygiene for a small business owner to make sure that they're okay. Good hygiene. I like the way you put it. So can you can you can you give us an idea of what that looks like? So just correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine I mean when I was at school, I'm 44, I'm the same age as you. When yeah. I when I when I was at school, computer science was an elective subject. I yeah. didn't do it much to my regret. Yeah. I was I was busy doing languages my, yeah, my, and other my, things. My, my computer science got robbed of the class and when someone pinched all the computers. <laughs> right. Right. But that's encouraging for the people that are listening because if 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 there's one major takeaway from tonight it's that you don't need to be a techie or come from a technical background to get involved in the cybersecurity no, industry don't. no no i mean and again if we go back to that idea about um there's a place in every business you know I'm, and i worked with some really great business i mean i want to I want, i'd like to sort Keep of going. want to talk i want to talk to um a couple of businesses that i've worked for in the past and i'd love to talk about um like crowdstrike um, which is really the most successful IPO, I think, technically of all time. Yeah. That's run by um, well, the two founders of it, or, th- or three people I really know there really well. Um, they've just done a wonderful job. I met those guys a long time ago, but yeah. oh, the, there's the, the, the country manager is a wonderful man. The head of sales, you sort of, you know, two I see there, Paul Salmon, very impressive guy, and the head of marketing there, Sarah Taylor, who's a girl from Blackpool. She, she's just, that business has killed it. And they've done it because they've got great cadence. They do a good job and they're really, really good at what they do. Um, same over at Mimecast, the guy that leads that business here. Um, Nick is a really good man who's been with the business for a while. They've got a real asset in a guy called Gar, um, Gar O'Hara, he does a great podcast. I'd encourage everyone to listen to it. It's called Cyber Resilience. Well, these people will be very kind to me and there's some wonderful businesses here in Australia and these guys are adding value um, to the enterprise to give them great outcomes in their in their cyber hygiene um, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past for me because the only person who'll ever stop you doing what you really want to do is yourself and I, I, and again I, I would I would whoever listens to this um, if it resonates with anyone like I'll give you um, They'll have your email address on this thing. I'd, I'd encourage someone if you really wanted to start in in it and come and see me, and I'll 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 have a coffee with you. Um, and if I can't help you out and it's not right, then I'll point you in the direction and I'll try and get you on track with it. But if you really care about it and you're really motivated, and when I've ever wanted to get into anything, I've gone beyond, above and beyond to get into it. But I'll give anyone a start if they if they really want it, or I'll help them to do it. I'm not making a promise to anyone. What I am saying is that if you really want to get into it, yeah. then come and see me, and I'll I, I get where water doesn't. I know a lot of people in this industry, yeah. and if you've got the hunger to do it, then um, please please contact um, you know, or please get in touch with Latitude, and I'd be happy to at least go for a coffee with you. And uh, that's my commitment to anyone that's listening. Okay, great, great. How how should people get in touch with you directly? What's the best way for people to, to get in touch with you? Because um, I'm sure we'll want to Well, the MySpace out. page is the the, 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 the preference. Uh, look, mate, look, I'll, put, I'll, give, I'll give you my details, okay. right? And then you, you, you yeah. go from there. Okay, okay. Yeah. We'll put them in the uh, in Put the them notes. in the bio. But no, I mean, I, I mean that. If you, really, if you really care and you're listening to this and you want to get into it, I got a start from a guy that was good to me. Um, and, you know, sometimes you all just need a little kicker. And I've had that 
Uh, I've had that from Chris when I got into uh, oncology, and I never thought that's what I was going to do. I had that from a guy uh, and my sister, actually, who was very kind to me to get into AstraZeneca. When I got into another job, my brother helped me out. Um, uh, and when I got into cybersecurity, I had another guy who's um, someone very important to me who, who helped me out and got me in. Yeah. You just need an in. Well, we all, we, all, we all were at a point at one point where we knew absolutely nothing about what we later became an expert in, right? Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. We, all, we all rode a bike for the first time and crashed it, right? Yeah, you yeah. You just got to get on it and yeah, you crash do a it. few times. The best but, way to learn to ride a bike is to get on it and crash. Well, you, you know, you need a fan. And um, it's funny, I'm doing um, the best thing I've ever done in cybersecurity, apart from meeting Syme, frankly, is I met, the, I met a guy called Philemon um, Zongo. Um, Philemon's like a bit of a local character in the scene. Uh, he's a virtual CISO for um, uh, a, a venture capitalist company that one of my other mates, Dan Vickers, works at. Phil, Philemon's just an absolute, just a great guy, right? But very good at what he does. Yeah. And um, he, he's got um, a thing, and I'm not selling anything here. I'm just telling people, if you want to go and... If you want to go and look look at a bunch of really impressive people, go and look at Philemon. He's got um, he's part of a cohort of three guys, uh, Jan and another guy called Darren Argyle, who have put together this thing called the um, Cybersecurity Cyber Leadership Program, and it is it is unbelievable. And they've given me a scholarship this year to get onto it. Darren and talk about caliber. Uh, Jan is uh, ex top four, a weapon in risk management, but just a, a just just. Uh, what he does, just unbelievable. Darren is the ex-CISO of Qantas. Now he's the CISO at Standard Chart in Singapore. And the three of them have got together to give, like, a, put together like a leadership program. Um, What's I'm, the CISO for those who don't? Oh, sorry, like a Chief Information Security Officer. They're the guy. They're that. They're the guy in the C-suite for cybersecurity. This is the, this is the this is the newest gig in the C-suite. Okay. Um, anyway, Darren, uh, Jan, and Philemon of They've created this great program outside of their roles, by the way. So they're doing contribution. Um, they have they've put together this great program that they've put about 120 people through now, and yeah, it's the best thing I've ever done. And okay. uh, and they gifted that to me. But I've learned more in this last eight weeks than anything I've ever seen before because I've always been a vendor um, trying to flog something into someone, right? Um, but what I've learned is about the pressure that people have got within organizations who have this job. Now let me tell you, if you are a CISO in the enterprise, you've got the lowest respect, lowest tenure, highest turnover, lowest paid, toughest job. It's hardcore, isn't it? It's, hard, it's very hard, it's very hard. And what these three lads have done is put together a program to enable people who aspire to do that job, um, to equip them with the skills and the resilience, cyber, cyber, resilience, cyber resilience, but personal resilience to to get it done and uh, I'm very grateful and so I want to name check those three people specifically um, I've also had a, a lot of help of a, a number of other people a lady called Jill Slay who used to run the she's an associate professor or the professor at La Trobe University uh, she'll she'll kill me for this if she listens to it but I think she's like the head of Australian satellites in cybersecurity now but she's uh, she's she's an, she's an amazing woman the brightest woman I've ever met but she's been a mentor to me because I went and asked her there's a guy called Simon Bell, who's ex-Commonwealth Bank, ex-CISO at Lion. All these people have helped me out when I didn't know, um, didn't know anything about it. And um, I just went and asked, and I was vulnerable, and said, can you help me out? 
I never, I, I, when I started in the business, I was always working off my own agenda because the guy I was working for said, you've got to do 50 calls a day, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. You always forget because you're in your own environment that they're having 50 other organizations doing the same thing. And once you break down the wall, what you realize is that these people are not only fielding all of these calls, have a gatekeeper, and you're given all these tools in a big business to say, this is how you get past them, this is what you say for value, or this is the webinar, or this is the trinket that you give them. They've got a job to do as well, you know, and their head's on the block, and the cheek of me to take their time when there's a hundred other people with polyester tries trying to get in. You have to have this veneer in that job. To, and, and I never respected that until I sat down um, with some people and got told that. And I, I was very fortunate for me as a guy called Faisal at Endeavor Energy who helped me out to understand that. Um, there was a couple of other people in within. He's got a great, uh, a great organization called The 12, which is 12 CISOs that meet. And they let me come and sit in there uh, and present to them with a guy called James Linton, who's a, a, the, a, like an ethical hacker from the UK. And, and the learnings from that were, is, it's just, oh, the minute you become a business owner. Is he the uh, guy that does hacks on his iPhone? Yeah, yeah. On, uh, yeah, on fags yeah. in the car park who yeah. hacked the White, the yeah. White House. Yeah, no, the, he's, this guy's a character. Yeah. But he did. He, he did. A genius. And, no, genius, yeah. Savant, like amazing what he did. He's got, and he's got a great product right now um, that uh, I feel is probably the market leader in security awareness anywhere in the world. And this yeah. is the guy that hacked the White House and Barclays Bank. The kid's a weapon. Manky, and proudly, he's a mank as well, so I love that. But he came over and he spoke to um, he spoke to these CISOs and you know, he resonated with them. People are just people. But when you're doing a job and you've got a, a sales target, it's hard because you, know, you want to make money, you want to please your boss, you want to get ahead. So everyone's got their own agendas. But of course. I, just, I'm, I was never empathic to the, the, the business leader until I did this course with you know, Darren, with Jan and with Philemon about what the pressure that they're under as well. By Big the way, time. by the way, they've got kids as well and, you know, stuff to do on. Everyone, everyone's got stuff going on. It's Exactly. You're you know? right. You're right. We forget that, don't we, in corporate structures with job titles and things like that. It's easy to get intimidated by that and to overthink it. But I think the key takeaway for me here, listening to you, Ben, is uh, the importance of being vulnerable, of, yep. you know, admitting that you, 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 know, you don't know what you don't know that you need help and to feel the fear and do it anyway, you know, yeah. to, to, to be at the beginning and to, to realize that you're so early on in the learning curve that you don't even know what you don't know yet. Yeah. And, and, and you I know. think when you, when you exhibit that vulnerability, people open up to you because we're all vulnerable, right? Like even, even the CEO of the biggest company in the world sometimes sits on uh, on their own and, and, and has a cry about stuff. No, I mean, definitely. There's, nothing, there's well, nothing wrong with that. I think vulnerability well, is the source of creativity and strength well, in I, any in, any area of endeavor, any I, field of endeavor. I think more than that, um, vulnerability, and men aren't good at it at all, especially when you've got defined roles, especially commercially. But vulnerability actually just drives connection, right? I'll tell you about the best deal I ever did, and it's the deal that made me start this business. And it happened very quickly when I started in the business. I, um, I was given a call sheet as an enterprise sales guy when I joined the business that I joined. And um, you know, you want to make a name for yourself and you want to do everything you can do. But um, 
I'm always good at thinking outside the box, doing things a little bit different. You know, ring, you know, you ring at six thirty. This, that, the other, all the tricks that you read on LinkedIn. This, that, and the other. But I ended up um, going onto Airtascan, and I had this letter that I got written by a calligrapher. My idea was, as is in my background in psychology, is that I wanted to give people an idea of. Um, uh, and, you know, NLP is the idea of setting an anchor for something. So I want to do something different, right, to make me memorable. There's one guy, and I won't mention his name, and he worked for a big insurance company, but I've been trying, I must have rung this guy when I look back on my notes a hundred times, and I tried again and again, and I, 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 I dropped him off an empty coffee cup with a post-it note in. I emailed him, I called him, I did everything I could do, and then I did this, I did a hundred letters, I got this le- lady to write on parchment paper, cost a fortune, by the way, and I never got it back in expenses. But I got this thing, parchment paper, calligrapher to write it out. I got that, I got that printed on a high-grade printer, and I got the calligrapher to write the individual names out. I went to a business in Wollongong, and I had a wax stamp made of my business. And I had that put at the bottom, bottom of the letter, I nearly set the fire alarm off, and then I had to put it on the back of the letter for when they opened it. The idea of it was is that when they opened the letter, they'd go, that's different, they would, they would remember me. So I rang this guy, I rang this guy, I never got through to him. Anyway, there's a good guy called Neil Lewis who used to work for another company called Talenza, and they're a recruitment company, and they got me into this do, and I sneaked my way into it by, you know, but I, I ratted my way into this thing. Anyway, everyone's navel-gazing, because it's all CISOs, and I see this guy, his name on his, on, I, see, I, see his, I, see the, I see his name on his chest, and I went over to him and I said, hey, how you doing, I'm Ben Jones, and he went, mate, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. And I said, well, look, it's okay, I understand, but can I have five minutes of your time tonight? Let's have a beer, let's have a breakdown. And he just said, look, Ben, I've never met you. You're just one of a hundred names. I've just, I, I just, I haven't got the bandwidth to do it, mate. I'm, I'm under the pump. All I'm doing is putting out fires, Ben. All I'm doing. So I had a couple of beers with him and I met some other people that night. And first time I've met, I've put a face to a name on lots of people. Anyway, the next day I went to my attend and I bought a fire extinguisher. I put my business card on it and I posted <laughs> a note and I said, if you've ever got a fire, I'll help you put it out. Yeah. And I went up to his office in North Sydney and I dropped it off to him. That next day he got in touch with me and was, we did a deal within like two or three days. And it's the best deal I ever did in cybersecurity, by the way. Um, um, I say that not to impress you, I say that to impress upon you that um, sales metrics, sales force, that stuff is fundamental in driving the business outcome. It is, but it saddens me greatly that I don't see more initiative in people getting in touch and driving a relationship with someone. I sound like a dinosaur in retrospect when I hear myself say that, but you are not a title. I'm a business owner now, I'm a CEO, and I'm really proud of that, but I'm still a person, and I'll always gravitate towards someone that shows a little bit of nous, a little bit of hustle, and I'll, I'll give you my time. Not that, that, I, I, not that my time's this impressive thing, but I like, if someone's prospecting and someone does that, I just can't be bothered with the lazy rubbish that most people are knocking out. Yeah. We're better than that. Absolutely. And, um, and you know what, that, that fire extinguisher, from Mitre 10, on this street, by the way, it cost me $21.95. And it was the best thing that I ever did, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. A little investment goes a long way. Some humanity, yeah, some would exactly, say. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, when I first got involved in business, I thought, oh, okay, I need to be professional, I need to be a consultant. But 
okay, you've got to be professional in the sense that you need to be polite and ethical and all those yep. sorts of things. That's just natural human values. But you've got to be human, you know? You have to connect with people in a human way, you know? If you present yourself as some cold, consultative, frosty professional, yeah. you're never going to connect with anyone because there's nothing to connect with. You're, you're, you're creating a distance. You're putting an interface in between you and the other person. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether this person is the... CEO of Kmart or you know the, the 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 checkout person at your local yeah Kmart store yeah. you can still connect to them in exactly the same way no you know? definitely but I can appreciate why if you're the CEO of of Kmart why you'd have to have a veneer or the CISO or the yeah. CTO or the engineer because he's just been peppered absolutely constantly with with pitches yeah you I mean, never again, get anything done oh I, I, and even and, and it's everyone. even worse now because it's all on zoom or yeah someone sending you a box of fruit and saying i'll see you at 10 o'clock and you open it all up and all that i say yeah, i sympathize i sympathize with it i sympathize with it and these if we're in australia right it's two percent of the world market these the marketing tips and all of that they're getting handed down from the states to a regional office in singapore i sympathize i just think that um yeah, I, I'm just always really impressed with someone that shows a bit of initiative. Yeah, and I really like that. And and that's that's listen, it's just me. That's my perspective. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean yeah. that's right or wrong. Um, but I think ultimately, getting cut through is very difficult. Um, but I do think there's some great products out there. I think there's great solutions. Uh, but it's a it's a, it's a it, there's lots going on. There's lots of problems in the world. Um, and in cybersecurity, I'd really encourage someone who's thinking about it just to get involved and uh, and to wrap. Yeah, I'm more than happy to sort of speak to anyone who wants to. Okay, that's cool. So let's let's just go back to Jumpstart yep. and the, the fact that you were saying that um, you and Saim, you don't deal with customers who have any more than 150 employees Yep. and that these sorts of companies make up 80% of Australian business. That's right. So if I were to guess and think, okay, what level of understanding do these kind of companies typically exhibit towards cybersecurity? I would wager that most of these companies think that having antivirus installed is probably the be all and end all of cybersecurity. When in actual fact, they need a lot more. Like what, like, can you please, Ben, tell us a little bit more about like what the sort of typical cybersecurity stance or posture is of these sorts of companies? Like what do they know where are the issues? Where do you see the issues for these businesses? Yeah, I mean, we, we, I suppose we've got to be a bit careful about making general statements. I mean, the only general statement I would make is if that you've got a business, if we were to segment that 150 um, and go to sort of businesses that have got 20 employees or 50 and less, you know, these are people that are, you know, chances, they've taken a big risk, right? And they've grown a business and they've got... Simon and I want to be the custodian of sorting out a problem that they don't know about, right? And I still think that cybersecurity is, is not an inhibitor of business, it's an enabler. Um, Aussie businesses have never handled more personal information than they do today. Going downstairs to a restaurant or to a bar or to a restaurant, you know, to, yeah. to, a, to a shop or there's such, uh, such high amounts of data being collected, but even the way that we live our lives now, shopping online, dating online we're just sacrificing our data all the time so small businesses hold this you know, this magic pearl of data you know like and so 
how do you ring fence that? Now, there's inherent controls amongst things like Office 365 that if they're activated correctly, then they're great controls, right? Um, but if you're having huge amounts of customer data, you're a businessman. You know, you, 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 my, my big learning, because I've had to unlearn a lot working in the enterprise when I go on. I love small business because people can go yes or no very quickly and transact quick, and I love that, right? People can see my time to value is one minute, right? I, I'm, I'm lucky to be backed by Cisco. Um, so I'm the smallest kid in the park with my little business. I've got the biggest kid behind my back. So make no, no qualms about it. I'm really proud of the partnership agreements I've got in place. I've got Cisco in place. Um, and I've got two other very, very big players that are backing me up through my relationships and Simon's relationships. So we're not little old Jumpstart in Sydney. We are joint ventured up with some players in the market. And by the way, Cisco is the most attacked company in the world. It's the biggest security company in the world. They run my front end. All right, so I'm really proud of that and we do a good job. So when I meet a small business owner, my time to value for that guy is in, in seconds, not minutes. And we do a really good job of that. But when you get to that, eight, that, that, that 100 people, usually invariably they've got an MSP. The MSP may or may not have a, a security expert in there. That's just an outsourced IT services it, it provider? It is, which is because, you know, it gets too hard. I, I'm essentially, look, Simon and I are trying to be the MSP for security for these companies. And the MSPs, I'm never trying to rubbish them, but we're often shining a light on some stuff that they maybe haven't considered. So I'm not trying to cannibalize anyone's market. What I'm trying to say is, is that the world has changed massively in the last 12 months. Uh, and the, the attack vector on small businesses, is, it's better to go for a small business and you have better outcomes. You really are. Now, Jumpstart is ultimately all about sitting down and learning about your business. It's self-serve consultancy, right? So the reality is when um, Simon would go into a business, a, 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 an enterprise, it'd be a very expensive pursuit for that business and the outcomes were profound for them. But again, to do that in equity, it's very, it's very difficult for a small business to justify a very high per day rate. So we, we, we understand that, that the, 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 the core application is all about them getting a step-by-step -step guide through how to get secure. And that is through security awareness. It is about having great policies and procedures in place. The three main issues for every business, if you are the top end of town or Bob's Bakery in Balgala, is your people, your processes, and your technology, right? I'm shining a light on those three things. I'm making it very, very simple, because it's a complicated, dark world, right? I don't understand it, you know what I mean? It's very, very, I'm not a technologist, but if we can focus on those three things, and all I do, and I'm not changing the world, we say where you are today, where you need to get to, and I'm gonna show you how to get there, right? We enable you with your policies and your procedures, with your security awareness, and we just drive great outcomes. And every month, you get an enterprise-grade, best-in-class GRC cybersecurity specialist ringing you up with an agenda to say, where are we today with Bob's Bakery? You know, you're opening another shop. These are the threat vectors. We've gone through your DNS. We've gone through, your, we've gone through where you're working at. We can see that there's been a particular subset of people within this vector we were getting attacked. This is the market update on where you are. Have you thought about doing this? So every month there's a scheduled call with a guy. Now, listen, you're not getting that level of personal touch from a Telstra, from an Optus, from anyone else in, in Australia. And that's my firm belief system. And certainly not someone of Simon's caliber who is world class at what he does. So I feel very passionate 
that when someone comes and joins the village that we're building, they're getting great outcomes for their business. Great outcomes. So, um, I mean, one of the things we touched on earlier, you alluded to, is the fact that um, a lot of these businesses aren't even aware yep. of what their issues are, their vulnerabilities are, their, their threats. So how do you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's, we can. It's not like, you know, like a lot of businesses in other service areas, yep. they know they have an issue. So when you call them up, yeah, the, 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 they know they have a problem. They're just looking for the solution. How, no, of do, you, course. how do you manage that? Well, I mean, I don't think we're giving some people enough credit. I mean, I think most people. I mean, it's hard to go through a day, right, without you not seeing something on the news, you know, about about cybersecurity, right? There's something every day about it, I and mean, there's almost this. Um, we've almost been sanitised about hearing it. You know, we we are we're constantly bombarded about these hacks, yeah. this, that, and the other, and. The reality is, is that if you are a small business, 22% of all small businesses that had a ransomware attack last year in Australia that got whacked, they're done. You're not trading anymore. But really? It's, so yeah. you've seen you've seen these. I know that as a businesses. Yeah, no, like if you if you get ransomware and you're under 30 people, and you, and you know this is a government statistic, if you get ransomware, you get locked up. You're done. You know, and there's COVID, and. There's another coffee shop that's opened up on the corner, or people go and buy buy your products online. People are getting onto it; they understand it a little bit more. Um, and I'm just going to be an evangelist on some very, very basic points. Again, we're not changing the world; we're just talking about stuff that people in the cybersecurity committee, in the community rather, the Charmaines, the Darren Argyles, the Simon Bells, the Peter Corolloniuses. You know, the, the, these these forefathers of thought; they've been talking about this stuff for years. It's just now starting to have a little bit more efficacy. Yeah. And it's sticking now with small business because it, it you know, it's, if, if you want to go and trade on the internet and digitally, you have to have some type of, you know, protect, protection mechanism you need to. And woe beside the man that doesn't. And I hate fear and doubt. I really do. But I love, as a small business owner, I know the sacrifice, the effort you've got to put into it. Why would you not partner with someone? to ensure that you know exactly where you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not selling here. I'm being frank and honest about it because I really feel passionately about this. As a small business owner, why would you not want to know where you are and leave it to guesswork? Absolutely. Because every hour that you've endeavoured in, every penny that you've begged, borrowed or stealed to do it, every call that you've done, every shirt you've ironed, every meeting you've done, and you get whacked and someone sends you an email saying, give me seven grand and you're done. Yeah, you haven't got that seven grand for your small business. Sometimes, you know what I mean. You haven't because you know you've got to pay all your other bills and and do this, that, and the other. And and people are sophisticated. If they get in your environment, they can see what you've got, and they'll take you for what you've got. Do most of these businesses who who get these ransomware attacks? Do most of them pay in order to keep afloat? Oh look, I mean, I would never ever talk about the people that we liaise with um, for confidentiality reasons ever. That's really f important to me. My experience has been, and what I've heard is, is that you know, some people do, some people don't. I mean, it's just about if people want to continue their business. Some of them don't. There's an entire industry now where people are broken to pay that. There's a great uh, report that came out of uh, what the best cybersecurity network I've ever seen is a company called Cyan, um, which is a French stroke Australian group of cyber security professionals and they released a report today and I'll share it with you to put on to the, the bio of this 
the dark web cryptocurrency payment stuff is terrifying because ultimately do you want personal stuff going out and you can imagine all the nefarious stuff that people get sent half the time it's nonsense but you know people pay and why would you not you don't need a gun and a knife anymore <laughs> you just need yeah. a laptop and, yeah. a, and, a, and, a, and a good script and if you fire a hundred thousand out of them I, mean, I don't know the the ROI and we never will do because people will never but if you had an email come through saying I've got this that and the other about you or your business pay this social engineering it's an old tactic yeah it's it's a tough one isn't it I mean it reminds me of um, you know ransomware the whole concept of holding someone to ransom uh, holding someone hostage it reminds me of the old days I'm going to say Mel Gibson here Sorry, Mel Gibson. Oh, I just saw that again recently, but uh, no, 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 not terrible film, terrible film, terrible film, absolutely. Gary Sinise, whatever happened to him, he was great. But anyway, um, back in the day, aeroplanes used to get hijacked, right? We did, um, uh, and demands were made, and then the world collectively agreed. Oh, careful, no where you go. Would... careful where you go with this. <laughs> okay, no, but I, I know what you mean. I, you know, I, 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 it's almost like I know it's very difficult because. With with aeroplane hijackings, we were dealing with a, a you know a, a, a small group of international airlines. So yep. uh, you know formulating policy and adopting it was a lot easier. Whereas when we're talking about businesses, we're talking about millions of businesses yeah. across the world. So we can't collectively agree anything. But if businesses all collectively agreed, we're not going to pay. This problem would go away. I know that obviously there's a logistical issue that you can't do it right how yeah. do you get all businesses to agree and execute it's impossible but it strikes me that while people are prepared to pay this problem will never end right never will do and actually I can't believe I'm agreeing with your metaphor but you are bang on I'm going to tell you why um, I would say that in the 1970s and 80s there would be someone that would be an aggressor that would do would, would yeah like you say would get on an aeroplane can you remember the last time an, an airline was hijacked I can well no. I can it's not happened since by the way it's, I'm not going to talk about that now um, what you're talking about is actually a policy change from the government right that yeah. policy change was we will not negotiate with with, with, with terrorists. terrorists right yeah so um, to your point um, and it's a good one and it's actually a good metaphor there was a policy change that was adopted and it was a non-negotiable I will not do it I will not do it right and it's never happened since that, that awful day you know yeah. in New York I mean maybe I can't think of it but that's not a thing anymore but it is in cybersecurity. so the metaphor actually is correct um, no matter how close to the line we are dancing on but I'm just saying that's what needs to happen with cybersecurity. there needs to be an adoption of better standards better hygiene and to wrap it all up all I'm doing, like my mission and Simon's mission is to help secure small business. I can help small businesses do that. I can never say I will stop an attack or I will indemnify you against it because I can't honestly say that. Nobody can. And it doesn't matter the bells and whistles that you've got, the money that you spend on it. You can never say that. It's impossible. Well, the weakest it, link is your employee, right? Your it, user. And it is, but for all of the, the fluff and all of the sayings and this, that and the other, the adversary is always going to work out another way. As they always have. Escalation. It's, yeah, it's, it's always going to be another way. But what we, what we do know is, is that if you adopt some fairly basic habits, which aren't life-changing or aren't that glamorous, but if you do the same thing, 
time and time again, you get the same result. And True. so all my business is about, to wrap it up and to be my last close, is, is that come and have a chat with us. We want to show you how you can get great habits and minimize your risk. And um, yeah, well, I'll be really excited to speak to you. I, 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 I want to ask a few more things though, because this you can. is a very interesting subject. Well, it's not going to be about international terrorism again, is it? No, that, okay, no. Well, I mean, good. effectively, this is what this is, isn't it? I mean, it is, you know, actually. it's international terrorism. I mean, let's be honest. It is. Um, you're a counter-terrorist. Have you thought about that? Careful, aren't Okay, so um, Ben, you're a small you're a small business owner. I mean, yep. I'm putting you in a hypothetical situation here. You're a small business owner. You're right. listening to this podcast. Yep. What are some simple, quick wins that you can do to safeguard your business against uh, cyber crime? Recognizing, of course, that there's no panacea, but like, what are some things that you can do? So, let, look, let's say. Let's say you're a car thief. You're walking down the street. There's all these cars there. You walk up to the first one. The car's got the um, um, steering lock thing on. You yeah. think, okay, well, I'm not going to take that one. You know, it looks protected. Just because I'm from Manchester that you're saying that. You're saying that. Exactly. Is, is it? Exactly. Yeah, totally. I'll take the radio. It's a fake. It's one of those pull out ones. I'll take, exactly. I'll take that. Take the radio. That's yeah. very good. No, but that's a good point. So, like, you're, okay, so you're a, you're a small business owner. Yeah. You don't know anything about cybersecurity. You're yeah. listening to this podcast. You're thinking, okay, I realize it's a bit of an Achilles heel in my business. What are some quick things, some quick wins, some good habits, some um, some, some some tactics, some habits, really, because it's about good habits, yeah, like yeah. good processes, as you said, yeah, people, yeah. processes, technology. Yeah, well done. Let's imagine, um, you know, you don't have the technology yet, but you've got the opportunity as a business owner to make yeah. changes to your processes and the habits of your people like what should you be doing I mean I mean I, I'd always argue that um, like I am selling something right I'm selling a piece of proprietary technology to flog on to someone and I am unashamedly I think it's really good but if you're a small business owner I would argue that you've probably got some great tools on hand already but I bet you they are not set up right in fact I'd take it to the bank so if I was a small business owner and what could I do right now, I would do password management, all right? And I would use, and I don't know anyone there, but there's a great business called LastPass and I would go and get a free piece of software for password management. I think that's just the best thing that you can go and do. Um, number two, I would speak to your employees to help them understand what a fish looks like. Um, and I mean, I would just do, uh, I would just have a think as a business owner about how much business is being brought in through the digital channel, you know, like how much are you doing and, and like, do you want to secure that? I mean, of course, I'm always going to say, give me a call, but I, I, I'll, you know, I, I, I give everyone a free assessment, you know, 50 questions and you get a really good idea of where you are and it's not a, a health check. Yeah. I give everyone a free health check. It's for nothing. Get on platform and check it. And no, of course. Like I'll give you, I'll give you half the information. I'll give you a picture of where you are. And we had, I, I had a guy today who's got a, a, a business. He's got, um, he's got a coffee business, and he's got like thirty shops, and he's got forty vans. And he came on, and he's done a great job. He did the free assessment. I met him through a friend of a friend the other week, and he logged on. He did the assessment. It took him ten minutes. I get a ping, of course, when someone does that. I followed him up. I gave him a call, and he's got great hygiene. You know what I mean? That's not going to indemnify him against 
being whacked but he's doing a good job he's covering his bases but what he has done he's gone into his inherent controls on Microsoft 365 he speaks to his, he speaks to his baristas and his staff about what he wants um, he has a policy around um, paying out his third-party suppliers yeah. and he has good hygiene because he cares about his business and he has and that's it conversely I, I also spoke to someone today um, that is from a very big business who I thought would have been all over it yeah. and he's just got no idea um, and that's not a deficiency he's just running his business and he's just trying to get stuff done for his business and yeah. you know I'm gonna really help that guy out and Simon and I are gonna really help him out so Look, your question to me is, what can you do? Go and change your passwords and get a password management system that's free on the internet. Go and do it. Go and do it right now. Go and educate yourself about what a fish looks like, right? And go and speak to a professional. And it doesn't have to be me. Like, of course, I want to come on here and say, give me a ring, give me a ring. But there's loads of people out there that, that do it. I, I feel genuinely that me and Simon are the only ones that are doing it properly in the, small, in the small business space. But you can go and get an assessment and go and do a free assessment. Just go and do it. It costs you nothing. It shows you the deficiency. It doesn't mean you're running a bad business. Yeah. But do you want to be the one in five that gets whacked and you lose everything you've worked for? Yeah. You know, over over something silly. Everyone talks about this solar winds thing. Um, we've had a lot of it in the press the last couple of weeks. And um, I read a piece the other day from this guy from Harvard. He's that I got sent through one of the networks I'm in. And and this might be right. It might be wrong. It might be an urban myth. I'm not sure, but. One of the ways apparently they've been able to peripherate the system is that someone's password was SolarWinds123. The last thing I'd say to anyone who's listening is, can you honestly tell me, and let me say that again, can you honestly tell me that everyone in your business has got a password that is not as embarrassing as that? Because mine's embarrassing sometimes as well, and that's okay but there's a system and a piece of technology you can put in place to remediate that. And I've had some bad passwords in the last 10 years. I even had a bad one last year. We're all guilty of that. We're all guilty of it. But you know what? The main way you get whacked is by the fact that you're still using Superstar123. You know what I mean? Yeah. Change it. Yeah, for everything. Everything. Yeah. And it's easy to do. And, and, I, give, and give me a call, and I'll show you how you can do it. I think the the, uh, the 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 wonderful thing about the password management software, which, as you said, is uh, freely available online in various yeah. shapes and sizes, yeah. colors, is that it enables you to have passwords for everything and not even know what those passwords are. Exactly. That is the ultimate. That yeah. you don't yourself, as the user, you don't even know what your passwords are. Maybe what I'll do is I might even do like a one-minute um, vlog. And attach it to this thing about how you can do it, you know, just to give some value. I don't want anything in return, but it just staggers me in this day and age that you're not pulling your socks up on this one thing. Because I'm telling you, like, if you stopped eating cake every day for the rest of your life, if you started using um, a good password manager, you're going to solve yourself some problems down the line. And that is just a, a horrible truth bomb. But go and do it. See Absolutely. if you do it. Might help you out with it. I totally agree. I totally agree. Absolutely. Um, and as you said, you know, business owners, they want to live in reality. They want to know what's going on, you know, just like sales figures. You need to know what numbers your business is doing and you need to understand the risks that you're running mm. um, because it's a, it's a, it's a very um, precarious thing and yeah. it's a very vulnerable. And you, just as you can have an incredible windfall, incredible highs, you can have 
incredible lows you know you mm. can be like like your own physical health you can be laid low by a very, by a very simple thing i mean look at COVID, right mm. it's shown us shown us how how vulnerable we are and our businesses are the same you know yeah businesses are susceptible to viruses and sicknesses and attacks and no definitely you, know, you don't have any immunity or um like vaccination or whatever then i do, I do like what you've done there it's very thank good. you it's thank good. you that's good yeah. i mean I, it's I staring us in the face i i i think the um I think the hardest thing about cybersecurity is if that you do the best job possible, as good as you can get, all that happens is that nothing happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, so if you yeah. do the best job, then, then there's no outcomes. There's no breach. There's, yeah. no, there's no problem to the business. And so people that drive those functions in businesses have done all of this work, set up a great culture, which is fraught with problems because people have low adoption. But if you kill it, knock out of the pile, do everything right, all that happens is nothing, right? It's not like if you go and knock it out and you go and do a million dollar deal or you, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, but the minute that you do one thing wrong or you get one breach, you're in trouble, right? And so, um, and if you're a business owner right now and you're listening to this, just turn on the news and you can see countless examples of it all going horribly wrong for people. And we're not fear mongering here. We're just saying, look, you know, I know it's uncomfortable, but it's a reality and we need to face it head on and we need to inf we need to be educated about it and that's really what we're trying to do with this podcast is um educate people to cybersecurity and hopefully get them interested in the industry that's it it could be worse it could be in the royal family and then you'd be in real trouble wouldn't you oh but no oh that's it oh um so ben um perhaps by way of a closing would you like to share some insights on the market perhaps in 2021 you know your outlook on the market for 2021 yep. and beyond like yeah where do you see this going oh i, I mean I, it's i mean all i'm going to ever be doing is regurgitating the smart people who i follow and that's what i do like i aggregate a load of content from really great people um there's a fella in uh, the states who, uh, who is there's a thing called the vendor caesar webcast and it's it's so good and I'd encourage anyone that wants to get into the market, uh, yeah, the CISO vendor uh, podcast is very, very good. good and, he's a, and he's a good, he's a nice fella as well. I've reached out to him a couple of times. Um, there's so much content that's available for you to see where the market's going. Um, there's a couple of people that's worth following. And maybe again, I'll put a list on, on of the people that I've followed that have been helpful and formed my decision. But your question to me is where's the market going? It's just going to get, there's going to be more attacks, you know? And again, the technology that's available is not going to keep up with the sophistication of the nefarious activities of the hacker. Because even today, Windows can't. And, and again, I'm not saying that to be scary to people. The market's going to go to... And people band around these topics um, in cybersecurity. Buzzwords, zero trust, you know, enabled by blockchain. Um, just nonsense do you know what I mean like just terms that are used they're marketing terms from businesses but I, I just always think it goes back to having good hygiene I'm not Nostradamus or Mystic Meg I don't know where it's going to go but I would guess that there's going to be more attacks and as long as I keep using my iPhone every morning and looking at the times then the Guardian and then when I've got a real low moment in my life the Daily Mail for the football then I'm, I'm exposing myself to that world. Yeah. And I order a pizza 
or I order a present for the missus or I'm internet facing and I'm going on the computer I'm, I'm internet facing right and, and as long as I've as long as I've got a digital footprint and as long as I'm interacting with technology then there's a risk there you're a target yeah well a target and, and the, the guys that are targeting me are a lot smarter than me in fact by coming on this podcast I've probably just gone right into the into the death zone yeah, well, you know, yeah. oh here we go but you know what I mean like yeah. if, you, if you're internet facing then you've got a risk yeah. but it's not let's not catastrophize that's the world we live in and I think there's I think there's big problems ahead I thought it was very interesting um, a couple of weeks ago when there was this attack on the Florida water plant right oh yeah whereby there was someone in another country that basically changed the solution that could have poisoned everyone and I was really drawn inherently to the idea in medieval times and this might be Monty Python or just really a really sort of shitty medieval movie I'd watched when they would throw like a dead body down a well which would poison the water supply which means that during a siege you would infect everyone they'd scorched all... earth yeah scorched earth so yeah. I, I'm just really conscious that for as clever as we all think that we are if you turn off the water I mean I still think that if someone attacks the supply chain I think in two weeks it's the walking dead and if we turn off the water or we the electricity goes out um, and I'm not like a conspiracy theorist whatsoever but I honestly think that if we lose an essential service in this country or another and I, I find it remarkable this hasn't happened yet but the electricity goes out and food's not delivered and kids can go to school and everyone's iPhone dies and the petrol station doesn't work and the milk doesn't get delivered I think it's like full-on Simon Pegg zombie apocalypse oh. like you know what I mean like big I, time I, and I do and well I, look I, at what happens in a, in, a, in a company when your internet goes down yes people don't remember what to do even though don't worry you about, know, don't worry I, about I, our work what about our home it's a nightmare exactly. at home we're all going to have to talk to each other it's terrible <laughs> no so, but you're right we're not, we're not fear mongering all we're saying is expect the best but prepare for the worst I just find it remarkable that nothing like really super not even super bad I just feel that even in a developing nation that someone's not whack, got whacked on like the electrical supply and I know you do hear about these things every so often in like um, and I don't say this disrespectfully because I think there was something in Estonia last year or but like a core function of society there was I mean? a Ukrainian power plant attack I believe if yeah. I'm not mistaken I, I, I just I find it remarkable that that's, uh, that's not happened before now oh we're, 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 we're lucky we're lucky yeah we're lucky okay great all right well, I think on that note, um, speaking of supply chain, you and I should go and um, have some dinner. That'd be nice. I'd love to do it. Thank you very much for being on the podcast, Ben. It was very, very enlightening, and I, I look forward to having Saim here next time as yeah, well. Yeah, I know. He's a good man. Thank you very much. And uh, what we will do is, on the notes of this podcast, we will include those um, resources that you mentioned, yep. and we'll also include uh, ways in which anyone who's interested to have a coffee and have a chat can reach out to you. No, definitely. So, I mean, I think the action on me and anyone's listening is, is that, yeah, I'll try and include something about the things that I think are important for a small business owner to enable them. I'll look, I'm going to 100% I'm going to chuck in the jumpstart thing and I would encourage anyone to give me a ring on that. But yeah, I'll put my, um, I'll give you my email address, you know, with respect, if it's used respectively, respectfully. Um, and I'm more than happy to speak to anyone if they, if they genuinely want to have a chat. Um, 
and yeah, I'm really grateful to uh, have the opportunity to come on here with you with Latitude and um, yeah, I've really enjoyed working with you, Will, and you've done a great job and Latitude's delivered a lot of um, good outcomes for me, um, for my business as I've started up. So thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You're welcome, Ben. All right, mate. See you soon. Cheers, buddy.